the path that I've had for my career has not been a linear path at all, <laughs> but it's been driven a lot. <laughs> it's like up and down and back and forth, but it's been driven by the things that are important to me. My sense of, I guess, values around wanting to have a seat at the table. Having a seat at the table means that you're not on the menu Ooh. and not being on the menu means that you have a voice to be able to, you know, have your career. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, June is LGBTQ plus Pride Month, and here at the podcast, we are proud to amplify the voices of leaders, executives, and changemakers, all who identify as members of the LGBTQ plus community. So check out our Pride on Brand collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash pride. Hear from amazing guests like Louis Vega, the president of Dow North America, Dina Fidas, the managing director at Outen Equal Workplace Advocates, and Brad Bomell, the global head of the Office of LGBTQ Plus Affairs at J.P. Morgan Chase. Plus, today I have another amazing guest. It is Stephen Macias, the president of Multicultural Marketing and Communications at RNC PMK and the head of Inclusive Diversity at Octagon Sports and Entertainment Network Worldwide. But before we get to Stephen, I need to share that it has happened. That's right, this past week I turned 50, so I'm part of the Mid-Century Club. And you know, turning 50 is a whole thing because you really have a chance to reflect back on your life and everything that's been important to you. Now, of course, I've been celebrating in a very on-brand way. So if you've been following me on social media, you've seen all of the exciting events like my big celebration in Palm Springs that involved having great hula dancers and an amazing diva singer all around a beautiful poolside home of my great friend, designer Christopher Kennedy. And I was even surprised by my husband and some friends with an amazing birthday dinner at the exclusive Club 33 above New Orleans Square in Disneyland. So I can officially check that off my bucket list. Now, you know, if you're a listener and fan of the show, I often ask my guests how their brand has evolved or if they have always been the brand that they describe. So I figured I should should really be introspective and ask myself that same question. Now, you all know that when I think of my brand attributes, I am always thinking about being a storyteller, a showman, Hollywood, a first mover, a super connector, a jet setter, and an advocate. So when I look at how my brand has evolved, I really think to myself, uniquely, I have always been those things. You know, in prepping for my 50th birthday, I went through all of these old photos and I was creating photo boards and some little reels that I wanted to play on social media. And I realized that the great thing about your brand is it's not about trying to be something you are not. Instead, it is all about amplifying and turning up the volume on the great things that you already are. That's what we mean by saying bringing your best authentic self to the table. So when I think about being a storyteller and a showman in Hollywood, those have been things that I have been doing and being since I was a little kid. You know, I was always that person that was like, let's produce a show at camp. I 
I want to stand up on the table and perform. I want to be in a cheerleader. I want to be in the musical. And I came from a background of growing up in Los Angeles and working in Hollywood for over 25 years and really making it not just about great entertainment and media, but also the business behind it. When I look at being a first mover and a super connector, I've always wanted to do things that were the first, right? I was the the first all-male cheerleader at my high school. I was always looking to be the first LGBTQ person to do something or be out at work. And being a super connector has always been around helping connect people, but also helping people connect the dots on great ideas. When I think about being a jet setter, right, that's definitely one that I've massaged over time. But I think back and I had that first passport when I was three years old. My earliest memories were traveling through Europe with my parents. And of course, my dad being from Hawaii, that was always a sort of pilgrimage that we made on an annual or biannual basis to go back to the Hawaiian Islands. And I even convinced my parents to let me do foreign exchange in Tokyo, Japan, when I was only 13 years old, right? Of course, now I think of it as being global and cultural and really traveling the world in style. And when I think about being an advocate, when I look back, I've always been advocating for the underdog and advocating for myself. But when I look at those brand attributes, what I really think about is shifting from all of those things really being about me to really being in service of other people. That's right. So before, when I was younger, it was all about how can I be in the limelight? How can I be a showman and a storyteller in Hollywood and entertaining? But now I use that to help other people. I bring my my stories in a way that are all about helping other people find those nuggets that help them in their career. Even when I think about being that advocate, for so much of my life, I was advocating for myself so that I could have a seat at the table. But what's really shifted is how can I advocate for others in a way that lets people be seen and heard and helps other people achieve what it is that they want. The other thing that I've really learned is it's all about modulation, right? When I think of those brand attributes, it's all about thinking of mixing on one of those DJ boards, right? You can't have the volume up at 100% on all of those things all of the time. Instead, what I've really learned is it's about the right behavior at the right time with the right level of intensity. What is going to serve me best in this situation and what is going to help others value me for the unique contributions that I can bring to the situation? So ultimately, things do get better with age, or perhaps it's really that my years have afforded me the opportunity to refine who I uniquely am rather than trying to be something I'm not. So I can bring those things to the table to serve my career audience and help me reach the career breakthroughs that I still look forward to in my next 50 years. Well, I am super thrilled about our guest for today. It is Stephen Macias, who serves as the president of Multicultural Marketing and Communications at RNC PMK and the head of inclusive diversity for Octagon Sports and Entertainment Network worldwide. Now, in his role, Stephen leads the Multicultural Marketing and Communications Division, focused on creating and executing communication initiatives, marketing partnerships, and programs that further connect the agency's high-profile brand and talent clients to consumers and organizations in the LGBTQ plus community, communities of color, and female-driven initiatives. Now, additionally, Stephen helps drive diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy campaigns and efforts for Octagon's global collection of athlete, personality, and brand clients. Now, prior to joining RNC PMK, Stephen served as the SVP Diversity and Inclusion Practice Lead at MWWPR and also founded the Macias Media Group LLC, where he grew 
grew the agency into one of the top boutique PR firms, specifically targeting the LGBTQ plus community. He also spent eight years as the EVP and GM for Here Media, which included overseeing iconic media brands like The Advocate and Out Magazine, and served as the entertainment media director for GLAAD. We'll be back in just a few moments with Stephen Macias. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have a spectacular guest and old friend on the show today. It is Stephen Macias. Stephen, what is going on? Hi, Jason. How are you? Happy happy birthday. Happy birthday month for exactly. you. Exactly. And Very, happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month to you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's a it's 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 a good uh, month for a lot of different reasons, and those two in particular are great ones to celebrate. Exactly. Well, Stephen, let's jump in because when I think of Stephen Macias, I think of someone who is an amazing networker and an amazing community builder. And I know in your career and your role, you are always reaching out and interacting with people. So tell me, when you first meet people, how do you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what what it is that you do? Uh, well, that that's a, a good a good starting question for sure. Uh, you know, I introduced myself to somebody who works in the multicultural marketing communication space with a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion around the work. It is um, a lot of sort of sound bites around multicultural, around DEI, but we try to I try to break it down into you know areas of impact. You know, what is it that the work is doing? What clients am I working with? What areas of our work that you can see publicly sort of support what it is that um, those sort of titles and 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 catchphrases talk about so you know i think for me one of the things that we know uh the country for example is not changing uh the country has changed and when i talk to uh folks that are potential clients when i talk to people about what it is that i do uh when i talk to people um who are looking to do what it is that i do um, i talk a lot about what the capacity for our work to do um, having a positive impact yeah. uh, on reaching out to diverse communities. Yeah. And so talk to me, what are some of the exciting things that you are working on right now at Octagon Sports and Entertainment Network and Rogers and Cowan PMK? A lot of things. I mean, we the great thing about working in a multicultural and diverse space is that we reach across every business vertical. So whether it's working with uh, a Hasbro uh, and their production company, E1, uh, around launching a new diverse children's show like Kia and the Kamojo Heroes, where you have um, a, a young character who is female, who is black, and who is a superhero uh, as the protagonist, um, those things are few and far between still for the amount of diverse communities that we have. Yeah. Uh, so really pl- proud to have worked with um, E1 for the past year and a half in helping them ensure that the characters' depictions, everything from skin tone and skin and hair texture for their toys that are coming out, whether it's the uh, sort of difference in how their families are depicted uh, across diverse communities. Those are the types of things that uh, we're really proud of uh, in the sort of entertainment space. Uh, we work with uh, Major League Baseball uh, across um, all their uh, their properties. Uh, last year, we worked uh, on the um, All-Star uh, game that was here in Los Angeles Ooh. to make sure that we were doing things like reaching out to, I know it was fun, reaching out to um, Spanish language media to ensure that our public relations team was adding on to the um, MLB sort of outreach uh, around some of our biggest fans here in Southern California uh, that love our baseball and our diverse um, Hispanic community. So, you know, within the entertainment space, within the sports space, uh, working with, um, you know, supporting clients like MasterCard a few years ago around a True Names project where uh, that particular project uh, allowed uh, transgender people for the first time to get a credit card 
that uh, wow. was in the name that they identified with. Uh, rather than the name that they were assigned at birth, which, you know, for those of us who are, um, you know, take certain things for granted sometimes, like buying a quart of milk, uh, paying for something at a store, uh, having that credit card when you check in a hotel that has the name that you identify and present with allows a level of security, allows a level of safety and inclusion, uh, but also allows people uh, to be able to step into a respectful and dignified space. So a lot of different things that we work with across the board. And, you know, I think for me on my octagon uh, area, we are working uh, to ensure that we build on the areas of workforce uh, inclusion, workplace inclusion and also the impact that having a diverse workforce will have on the the advice that we give to our clients. So a lot of really fun stuff that we're working on, stuff that I'm proud of. Yeah, and I love that you do all of this work externally, but you champion it internally to make sure that you have diverse voices that can organically provide great client service. Yeah, it, it really is about um, making sure that you have as diverse a team around the table that matches the diverse consumers that you're trying to reach. I mean, I think for years, uh, agencies, uh, you know, were part of a system that had a fairly homogenous group of people around the table. And as the marketplace changed, um, agencies started to change and understand that we really need to be reflecting back the consumer base in order to actually have smart and thoughtful and exciting campaigns that demonstrated uh, the diversity of thought and opinion. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about how you got into your current role at Octagon and Rogers and Cowan PMK. You know, it's funny because my, um, you know, I've been asked this question um, a, a lot recently because I've expanded my role to include uh, the work at, at Octagon. Um, the path that I've had for my career has not been a linear path at all, <laughs> but it's been driven a lot. <laughs> it's like up and down and back and forth, but it's been driven by the things that are important to me. Mm. My sense of, I guess, values around wanting to have a seat at the table having a seat at the table means that you're not on the menu Ooh. and not being on the menu means that you have a voice to be able to, you know, have your career. So, you know, my career um, on this path started when I was at uh, working as an assistant at a producer's desk. And I also started uh, to work with Outfest, an organization that I know is near and dear to, to our hearts here. Yeah, and that's how we met was through your work at Outfest. Exactly. And the sort of networking and the community that Outfest provided, um, you know, combined my passion for uh, entertainment and culture uh, with the um, cultural change that Outfest uh, continues to drive and strive for this day. So, you know, I started um, uh, volunteering for Outfest. I then was promoted in my entertainment career. Uh, and then uh, I joined the board of directors of Outfest, where after a year, um, uh, much like some other good people we have in common that we know, uh, was elected to become president of the board of Outfest. So as I sort of moved into that more values-driven space, um, uh, Glad uh, approached me about becoming their entertainment media director. So I moved uh, from the sort of for-profit and advocacy space into the advocacy space uh, 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 on the volunteer basis, but also advocacy in the um, in the professional career space. So that sort of Glad space and Outfest space uh, really was the trajectory, the starting place of the different places that I've had over the career of my job. Yeah. And so what when you look back over your career, what have been some of those true kind of career breakthrough moments that you see as as those moments that helped you level up and and kind of be who you are today as an executive? Well, you know, after spending time at GLAD and learning from some exceptional exceptional uh, communicators and and champions of advocacy. I then went to um, help launch a, at then at the time, a first of its kind, an LGBTQ um, television network called Here TV. Yeah. And so I went in as their first vice president of, uh, of public relations and um, and of Corpcom to help build that network that uh, gained traction around Comcast, around, uh, you know, all the different cable companies across the country at that time, so, so that we had a network of stories uh, being told about our community across the country, especially at a time where, before we had marriage equality, before we had the ability to um, serve out and proudly in the military and seeing what those stories meant uh, to 
impacting real change uh, around all sorts of areas of our civil rights. Um, that Hear TV um, uh, platform then allowed me to advocate for the um, acquisition of uh, the um, Advocate uh, magazine, Out magazine, HIV Plus magazine uh, to join the Hear TV television platform, at which point I was um, uh, put in um, oversight of all of those publishing brands and helping them bring uh, their voice and their brand uh, to new levels of platform around the um, internet, around their websites, and combine that space. So, you know, there's some key moments that I look at uh, that include the advocate, that include out. Uh, that allowed me to open up my own um, LGBTQ-focused uh, PR and comms uh, agency that I then partnered uh, with New Avenue Marketing, uh, which uh, is, uh, in full disclosure, uh, owned by a good friend of mine and your husband, uh, <laughs> Joe, Joe Keenan. Uh, Joe Our connections and, uh, run deep. Yes, yeah, it, it gets it get the tangled web. <laughs> um, the um, Joe and I then partnered uh, in acquiring a number of companies that were um, looking for agencies to help advance their work within the LGBTQ community. I think Hilton Worldwide was a seminal moment in my career and uh, in working with Joe and acquiring that as a client. Um, you know that. A client um, was amongst many that we built together that we then uh, sold. Or I sold my agency to um, to MWWPR. Uh, Joe came to work with us uh, there as well. And we partnered to bring things to life like the Prop 8 uh, uh, plaintiffs, uh, Paul Katami and Jeff Zarillo's um, wedding. Uh, to Hilton, to the Beverly Hilton, so that they could have a really meaningful proof point of what it meant to support LGBTQ marriage equality. Yeah. Those moments, when I think about that, allowed me to uh, come to Rogers and Cowan to start their first multicultural and LGBTQ uh, practice uh, three years ago, right before the, the pandemic started. So, you know, a series of seemingly unconnected companies that have a thread through of the things that I care about around uh, our equality, around equity, around inclusion, and around ensuring that we have, again, that seat at the table across every piece of life that our communities participate in. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about that work you all did with Hill right because you you mentioned throwing a wedding for uh for two of the Supreme Court uh case couples that helped win marriage equality how do you even convince a huge client like Hilton that's been around forever to to be in that space and and execute something like that yeah it's um it, it definitely is one of the the prouder uh chapters in, in my professional career and I know for Joe as well um you know you have to start with a client that is um, understanding what the future looks like and a client that has also shared values mm. in what equality and equity can be. And the business opportunity that, um, you know, places like hotels have for weddings, for anniversaries, for special occasions, as you start to understand that the people who are going to be able to participate in that are expanding, um, you have to understand how your uh, consumer marketing and public relations approach need to expand as well. Now, those expansions of opportunities, especially in the culture wars that were then and the culture wars that we still see now playing out, um, also come fraught with some challenges. Yeah. And to be able to help um, a company like Hilton um, see the opportunity, see also the challenge and how you can manage both of them to, um, you know, work with the values that Hilton had around um, expanding the world's um, light of hospitality and inclusiveness um, was a really interesting uh, piece to figure out. So, you know, everything from uh, understanding what it's like for a same-sex couple to check in at the front desk, that moment uh, of welcoming people should be an equitable one, whether you are a straight married couple or whether you are a uh, gay or lesbian married couple. So, you know, things that we, again, that we take for granted um, are some of the things that we helped educate uh, properties across the country and brands within their portfolio understand what that opportunity looked like. Yeah. And now I also remember having a chance when I worked at NBC Universal to, uh, to visit the White House with you. So tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, though I mean the the White House is um, what remarkable uh, partners we we're able to pull in with a client like Hilton, uh, with um, one of their um, one of the State Department's seminal programs uh, called the Global Equality Fund. The Global Equality Fund is a fund that looks to um, assist and aid uh, LGBTQ people. LGBTQIA people across the world uh, with support from um, from our State Department. Things as simple as finding a safe space to gather their uh, community in countries where it's not safe to gather, to being able to contribute funds through this uh, international uh, consortium of um, like-minded countries to be able to support the safety and equity of LGBTQ people. So, you know, the White House invitations uh, uh, under the Obama administration were really about supporting um, the work that the State Department was doing. And it was also about working with um, the LGBTQ liaisons to bring some of our clients into the White House uh, for those moments uh, that we were working on, whether it was the um, working with the cast of Transparent, mm. the Amazon show that focused on the transgender experience, or the Danish girl, which told the story of Lily Elbis, uh, one of the first people to undergo transition surgery. We were able to bring some of that sort of storytelling and Hollywood vibe to Washington, D.C., and over the course of those partnerships on the National Transgender Day of Remembrance or the Week of Education, uh, we forged some really good bonds uh, that allowed us to have those really gracious invitations from the White House to join them during the Pride celebration, uh, to join them. I think it, it, we were there, I think, for either one of the last Obama Christmas parties, if not the last Christmas party or holiday party that they had. Um, and I, I will uh, forever be in uh, your debt for snapping that photo of myself and Mrs. Obama touching my, my face, like touched by an angel. Total touch right by I was an about angel, to right? Right. I was, I was having a, uh, a, a meltdown there, an out-of-body experience. And uh, I was glad that somebody had the, the, uh, the focus to stay just in that moment to capture that for me. So thank you for that. Of course. Well, I mean, you always have to get around the no selfie rule at the White House. So it means you need to snap <laughs> everyone else's photo, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, that was, a so, great, that was a great day. Yeah, it was a magical day. Now, Stephen, talk to me. When you were a kid growing up in Fresno, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know what? I wanted to leave. Um, that's what I knew I wanted to do. And, and, I, and I, I say that a little, a, a little tongue in cheek, but you know, really what I wanted to do is I, I knew that there was a world outside of where, where I was at in Fresno. And, you know, to be honest, growing up, uh, Brown and, uh, not knowing exactly what gay was, but being, knowing that I was different. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be there. I was, did not always feel welcomed, uh, in that city and in that space, and certainly during that time where you had no representation on television of brown or black families. I mean, I think The Cosby Show was the one show that, you know, depicted somebody other than what had been on television for years. And, you know, yeah. when you see the lack of representation of, of communities of color, when you see representation of LGBTQ people uh, only as clowns, as problems as sort of the outskirts of society. Yeah. Um, but you get a little bit of a glimpse uh, in little pieces of media that would come through around what was happening in San Francisco or what was happening in New York City or what was happening as far as cultures in London or Paris. I wanted to leave and go see those things. Mm. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do that. But, you know, when people ask me what I wanted to be when I when I grew up, I wanted to be somebody who had, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been able to say this at 16 then, but I wanted to be a global citizen and I wanted mm. to be a decent human being. I did go to wow. uh, Catholic uh, catechism and, you know, learned about a lot of values driven uh sort of thoughts uh, from the Bible around what it meant to um, help somebody who didn't have something to eat. Uh, what it meant mm. to be talking to people who didn't uh, have a roof over their head, what it meant to be um, somebody who, you know, had a lot of values and tenets and uh, the ideas of Jesus Christ. I wanted to be a good person and I wanted to be a global citizen. What that meant as far as a career, like I wasn't really sure what that meant, which is I think yeah. part of the reason that my career path has been, um, you know, sort of uh, 
unexpected even to myself, but yeah. very satisfying because I think to this day, those things that I wanted to be when I was a kid, a global citizen and to be able to consume and to see other cultures and to meet other people um, with the foundation of being a decent man. Those are the things that I, that I still strive for today. Yeah. When you talk about having pride in where you come from, how do you balance that with the fact that you wanted to get out so bad as a kid? You know, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's something that people shouldn't have to think about running away from, uh, you know, where they started from because it's an important part. And I didn't, I'm very proud of, uh, who I am, uh, uh, being a Mexican American. I'm also very proud of the central Valley. I see a lot of good people who are hardworking, who have a lot of um, ideals and values that I actually do share that I couldn't see at that time because of the history uh, that we were living in at that that point of our sort of collective American history. So, you know, it is, um, it's an evolution and, you know, you're going to find your way to that pride at some point. It may uh, not be something that you think of automatically. It may be something that people try to take away from you. Uh, but if you can think about reclaiming that pride, mm. however that looks for you, um, it's going to really be um, serving not only to yourself, but every single person around you because you're a happier, better person for it. And, and so how did you get out of Fresno? What was that moment that you were like, I'm out? Well, college, college provided a really nice excuse uh, <laughs> to leave. And I, I went to college up in the Bay Area. Um, and, you know, I guess it's too late to pretend I, I'm, I'm – you know, 30 years old. So I will uh, crack open this story that will give you a little sense of who, how old I am. I, um, you know, when I went to college, um, there was no internet. Uh, there was, um, you know, no cell, there were no cell phones. And so somehow I still found my way uh, to, um, to the Castro in San Francisco. And it was an aha moment. I think like a lot of gay men um, who, uh, found their way from, you know, Iowa or Kansas or uh, Illinois. They found their their way to this place that we had heard of, this like, yeah. you know, uh, green emerald city on a hill someplace that just get there. And for me, that was the closest place to Fresno as well that had an emerald city. And when I got to San Francisco, it was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where mm. I feel welcome and accepted. And this is the place where, uh, you know, I can also share my my hopes and my fears about um, a landscape in a country at the time that had zero welcoming places in so many public arenas. We were um, we were not. Um, you know, this is where I sound like an old man. You know, the kids these days. They, <laughs> They can't I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if they can imagine what it's like not to be able to connect with anybody openly uh, and easily who looked and thought like us. And I think mm. that's that's how that's how I got myself um, out of Fresno. I went to school, and I went to school up in the Bay Area, which um, then allowed me to sort of start to network, I guess, if you will, because you know that's what we're talking about. We've talked about at the beginning a little bit as far as networking. You start to find your tribe. You start yeah. to find people with similar uh, values and, and similar uh, hopes and similar fears. And then you start to um, help each other figure out as your sort of, um, you know, your your gifted family on how to move yourself um, forward into those places that everybody else wants to do, which, um, you know, is a, a lot of lo love and acceptance and understanding. Yeah. And so speaking of networking, Stephen, yeah. how, do you, how is it that you sort of maintain a really great network of folks i mean and it, it a um it gets harder every year um i think uh to do it on your own mm. uh you know i was uh when i started my career here i mean i was out every single night i was going to any event that i could aside from the fact that there was always free snacks and a cocktail when you were you know <laughs> working working your way up from a a starting base salary i went to everything that i could and you know some sometimes i went places and i'm like oh this is not exactly um you know the 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 right space for what I was thinking, but I would find at least one person to talk to and leave my yeah. business card with them to find out where they work, to find some, like, let's grab a bite to eat after this or next week when, when you're, when you've got a few minutes, I would find somebody uh, to make sure that each night that I spent the time and energy to go someplace that I actually took something uh, back 
as far as a new person to know that I felt was going to be um, complementary to the the space that I was in. Now, um, you know that network sort of thrives upon itself. Uh, yeah. In the things that we do get. Uh, the pleasure and privilege of being invited to the people that I do know now, and I've known for 20 years, like yourself and others, uh, that you know, we're like, oh, join us at this, or come come to this event, or you know, wasn't sure if you were going to um, be here, but if you're not, you know, this is a good spot. And then the 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 other part that I find increasingly important as I get older um, is to make sure that I am uh, networking with my younger staff. Um, because Ooh. those the, those younger people are us uh, 30 years ago, mm. where they know uh, places and things uh, that, you know, reflect a cultural zeitgeist, that reflect a new gathering of people that are sort of out of my, my mirrors. Mm. And so we do this together. I'll bring them to an event that may not be something that they would be invited to at this juncture in their career. And they bring me to things where I get a chance to learn uh, what new voices are and what yeah. people are listening to, what people are wearing, what people are eating, what people are mad about, what people are excited about. And that's how, you know, the sort of networking sort of has evolved for me um, at this point in my career so that you stay relevant and that you stay relevant in a way that is meaningful to the the work that you're doing. Yeah. And I love that whole notion of, of, relevance and making sure that you're connecting with people that are outside of, as you said, your, your own mirrors, right? Now, Stephen, we've been talking a lot, a lot about great consumer facing brands that you've worked with. Let's talk a little bit about your brand as a leader and an executive. Give me three words that would describe brand Stephen Macias. Um, uh, listener, Ooh. It, it is it is important to listen uh, to understand rather than listening to respond. Mm. Um, I uh, see folks um, a lot in you know in in different areas of communication where people are listening and and you can see them start to interrupt somebody and certainly now with the zoom of it all over the past three years of the teams, you know, you can see people. So the reason why it's important kids uh, to turn on your cameras so that people are <laughs> able to <laughs> I fix your hair, get ready to go to work. Even if you're on a zoom or team, uh, turn your camera on because that communication uh, agility that you'll have uh, to see who's, who's hearing what you have to say and whether they're about to interrupt you those folks are, are not always listening to understand what you're saying. They're listening to respond to what you're putting on the table, which means that you have one additional thing to do, which is to um, make sure that they understood what you had to say. Because uh, if, yeah. they're, if they're just responding, you guys may be talking past each other. So I think listening is one of those things. Um, I think um, humor uh, is an important part of any uh, piece of leadership style. I don't want people uh, to come into a meeting uh, not feeling comfortable, not feeling like they can't uh, put their opinion on the table. Sometimes my opinion is right. Sometimes my opinion is wrong. But if mm. I feel like I have to censor myself because I'm going to get a, a, a silent glare back from the other side of the sort of leadership table, it's going to make me rethink about whether or not I'm putting that idea on the table. And sometimes that idea that I hold back on is going to be the right one. So, yeah. you know, set, setting that that climate uh, up uh, as a leader is a really um, important thing to do. And I think, you know, the, the leadership, uh, you know, that I – appreciate from the folks that I report to uh, is a uh, just a real sense of calm. Uh, we live in a very um, divisive uh, country, an evolving world landscape. We have a lot of collective challenges. And if you are adding hysteria into um, a problem, which, you know, most of the things we have to figure out are problems to solve. All right, let's figure yeah. out how to reach this market figure out how to diffuse this crisis. Let's figure out, uh, you know, why our competitor uh, is now taking a 10% market share uh, lead than us. If you don't approach those with some sense of calm, you're going to gaslight your own situation and set mm. your own, own house on fire. 
And so, you know, those are the types of things that I think, you know, hopefully my, my staff or my teams, my colleagues, uh, all of them, whether I report to them or they report into me, we're part of an ecosystem and we affect each other like the weather. So I try, yeah. I, I try to not rain, rain on people's parade. <laughs> so I love uh, listener humor calm. Now, Stephen, tell me, are those traits or brand attributes that you've always had or how have they evolved over time with your career? Um, absolutely not things that, um, <laughs> that, that I started out with. You know, I think what, one of the things that I learned at Outfest uh, when I became uh, board president, um, you know, I was fairly young in my career and it was, it was a, it was a, um, a, a bigger platform than I realized that I was stepping into. Yeah. I thought that I would be able to say, okay, all right, everyone gather around. We're going to do it like this. We're going to do it like this. We're going to do it like that. And I, I thought this out and there's, I, here's my reasons for it. Then getting pushback from different people who had thought about it too and had yeah. a different opinion about what mm. situation A, how situation A should be handled. Um, depending on how they responded to my leadership direction, um, sometimes I had a, a fiery response back. I'm Latin. Uh, so it's sort of part of our, <laughs> you know, we talk with our hands. I've, I've learned how to talk less with my hands and to listen <laughs> more with my ears. <laughs> but, you know, that was not the case. And so for folks who who are in a space where they are uh, perhaps not hearing their message heard, even if it's the exact right message, um, I would challenge folks to think about how they're delivering the message because that mm. makes a huge difference. It's not to say not to be passionate about what it is that you're uh, suggesting, leading or directing. It's not to say that you should um, water down your enthusiasm around your point of view, but it is to say that how it is that you deliver that strategic um, direction needs to take into account everybody else's experiences around the table, what kinds mm. of personalities that you're um, leading. And if you're a leader, sometimes you're going to need to rise above the occasion and listen to your better angels, uh, pinch yourself, step yourself in your foot, whatever, whatever you need to do in that moment and, 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 and step and step up to the moment that the, that you're in. And it may not be the moment that you planned on, but step up to the moment that you're in and figure out how it is that people can hear what you're saying. And also um, listen for things that you hadn't thought of uh, so yeah. that people Right. Because if people know that you're hearing them um, and you have a constant line of communication, that also makes a huge difference. It's one of the tenets of, of di diplomacy. Get people to the table. Now, Stephen, you are in the business of helping brands activate, right? And helping mm -hmm. brands uh, stay on track and stay relevant. What are some things that you do and recommend with big brands that you feel people could leverage for their own career brand? Um, I think you need to understand sort of what the larger landscape looks like, whether it's mm. um, who's in your career marketplace or who uh, your brand is competing against. Right. So Ooh. if you if you are if you're building a brand uh, that is unique and different, um, is it going to serve a white space that um, mm. has a marketplace need? You know, you're building something in the LGBTQ or the BIPOC community around data, around research, around uh, different ways to activate and you're filling a white space. That's that's a way to sort of grow uh, your brand. If you are um, building your brand or your business or your client's brand in a space where there's no need or there's no want, Ooh. you are building something that is actually serving nobody, including yourself, because people don't have a need for for your outreach. And yeah. you know there, that that's the that's the difference between filling a white space and being in a space by yourself, and understanding mm. sort of you know when I you know when I first started posting uh, things on my Instagram or on Facebook. I think a lot of us were doing it in a way to sort of create what people saw us as and what their, our yeah. personal brands are. And, you know, whether it was the, the folks who are posting, you know, nothing but chiseled, 
you know, photos of their perfect body, uh, you know, holding a, a glass of champagne. They were building a brand that people, they wanted people to think of them in that light. Maybe it was because yeah. they, they were uh, an actor, they were a model, they were somebody uh, who wanted to be associated with the idea of luxury as an influencer, whatever that case may be. How, how you put yourself in the public spectrum should not be accidental if you are building a brand. Uh, what it is that you're, uh, what it is that I have on my Instagram feed is arguably very different um, now than uh, what it was a few years ago. What I post on Facebook, what people post on their TikToks, uh, it is about uh, curating what that brand looks like. And you have to be intentional about that. Otherwise, people will write the narrative for you. Yeah. I love this whole notion of intentionality, but also it kind of comes back to your whole notion of you wanting to be in service of people and being a, a, a you know, a good global citizen. It's important to know that like your brand has to be in service of other people. It just can't be in service of yourself, right? A hundred percent. And, and, you know, if your, if your brand is completely of service to yourself, there may be a marketplace for that, uh, in, in some way, but most likely there's not. And I think, yeah. you know, in, uh, a generation of, uh, people, you know, the millennials, the Gen Zers, there's a very different sense of the us rather than the, um, I or me. And that's the part of understanding sort of what's happening in our collective human marketplace. Those mm. folks that are sometimes loud and noisy and, and uh, not very nice are not the majority of um, what our research and data shows most people are looking for to align themselves with. They're looking at aligning themselves with people who are concerned about the environment, who are concerned about, uh, you know, a woman's right to choose, about, uh, you know, being inclusive. 71% of Americans now support uh, marriage equality. In 1996, mm. uh, when they first started taking that poll, it was 26%. And so, yeah. you know, understanding sort of what the world looks like and where your space can be at in the world and challenging yourself to see what it is that you have that makes sense for where we're at now and where some of those things are that need to be reimagined, whether it's personal or whether it's a brand. Yeah. So, Stephen, I know we could talk all day, but I've got it's some true. fun. True story. I've, two, true story. We're talkers. <laughs> um, a couple of fun, uh, quick closeout questions for you. We've sure. been talking about big brands. We've been talking about your brand. What brand are you obsessed with today? What can't you live without as a consumer? Oh, gosh. What brand can I live without or can't live without? I mean, I am, I am uh, obsessed with um, Rachel Maddow. And, uh, and the, the other people that she has on that show, she has a brand uh, and yeah. a point of view, right? And I, and, and I think for me that sort of brand and point of view are, are sort of intrinsically tied as it relates to the, the media. Tel Aviv is a yeah. brand I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, if if uh, folks haven't been to Israel before, that is a remarkable place to sort of recharge and reimagine. Uh, so I think for me right now, it's, it's about the the destinations and sort of, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not meaning to pull us full circle, but back to the original question of what you wanted to be uh, when you grew up, it's a, a global citizen. So I think those global yeah. destinations are the brands I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Now, Stephen, if you were a type of car, what type of car <laughs> would Stephen Macias be and why? Well, I would say uh, uh, the uh, Mercedes electric vehicle. Um, mm. I, yeah, I mean, I'm the, the, you know, when you grow up uh, coming from a family that um, is rich in values and, and integrity, but not necessarily resources, um, yeah. some of those things that are sort of sources of pride, like a car uh, in our Hispanic families are are a thing and, you know, sort of combining that sort of, you know, I've worked hard. Can I grab that vehicle? But I also understand that, um, you know, we have different environmental concerns. So when I think about a brand, whether it's a Kia or a Hyundai or, or a, a Mercedes, um, you know, those, uh, brand attributes combined with values, uh, are the things that I would think about for a car. So if I can, if I can afford the, the Mercedes electric vehicle, ah! <laughs> and why are you, why are you like that today? Why are you like that car? Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a little more seasoned. Uh, mm. I am, uh, right. Also, uh, I guess a good code word for old, but a little more seasoned, <laughs> <laughs> comfortable, 
Um, and um, with the electric part, uh, hopefully forward, forward thinking and forward looking um, in, in combination of it as well. Mm, love that. And finally, Stephen, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Uh, to be proud of um, where you came from mm. and to be um, and to use your imagination, literally use your imagination uh, to determine what you want to be. There is, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, yammering in our in our sort of collective conversation about not being accepting of who you are, whether it's because of the color of your skin or your sexual orientation or your gender identification. You have to be proud of who you are. And if you combine that with imagining what your possibilities are, you know, the light bulb had to be imagined before um, before it became a thing. So did the phone, yeah. so did the car, so did the airplane. And it's all because somebody imagined that they could do that and that they had some sense of pride and self-worth in who they were to dare to, to have that imagination. So I know there's sort of big picture things, but I think that those are the things I think about when um, younger people ask me that same question. Yeah. Well, Stephen Macias, thank you for being on thank the show you. and happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Happy Happy Pride Month to you as well. I really appreciate the time you have me on. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with my old friend Stephen Macias, the president of Multicultural Marketing and Communications at RNC PMK and the head of Inclusive Diversity at Octagon Sports and Entertainment Networks worldwide. You know, Stephen had so many great things to share, but the thing that really surprised me having known him for so long was his emphasis on talking about how his service in the community helped him really hone his leadership leadership skills. You know, we always talk about career breakthroughs and thinking about how you can leverage stretch assignments where you bring your passion and different needs to the table to find and create value. But I think what Stephen helped me realize was how much value there is in volunteerism as a way to not only hone those skills, but grow your network in a way that can help you expand your career and find that next breakthrough. So, whether you are working as an employee resource group leader and volunteering your time at your company or working for a big nonprofit, all of those things can help you get to your next career breakthrough. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single week. It is LGBTQ plus Pride Month, so make sure you are celebrating by visiting the Pride on Brand collection at leadwithyourbrand.com slash pride. Check me out on social media and LinkedIn. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And if you have a question you want me to cover on the show, just send me a DM. And most of all, and most importantly of all, in your career, never be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.